Welcome everybody back to the Friends You Can Keep podcast. We're doing a little short guy as like a kind of 4th of July-ish special because we will be on vacation and not able to record a long one. I found a little nice little article to discuss. Um, it is 11 things that are done differently in the U.S. than the rest of the world. Oh. I'll go from 11 to 1. Um, why bidets aren't common in the U.S. The 2020 coronavirus pandemic and associated toilet paper shortage sparked American interest in the bidet, where previously there was little to no interest. However, bidets were commonly used in restrooms throughout the world before this. The U.S. was the odd nation out. So why have Americans always favored toilet paper as opposed to the environmentally friendly bidets used in many other countries? It, it really boils down to one thing. Americans, upon first introduction to the bidet during World War II, associated them with brothels. The oh. only place they had ever seen them before. Americans weren't alone in their feelings. The British also shunned bidets because they associated them with French hedonism. This connection with illicit activities, it was once also viewed as a method of birth control, which religious Americans viewed as a sin, prevented the bidet from ever taking off. Huh. Number 10, why the U.S. has a two-party system. Control over the American government has been won throughout the years by whichever party in a two-party system comes out on top during elections. This has largely been the case since George Washington stepped down from the presidency. However, he and other founding fathers, like Hamilton and Madison, all strongly opposed the development of political parties. So how did the two-party system become such an integral part of the American government? Some experts believe the development and success of a two-party system in the U.S. was inevitable. For one, political parties give people, especially those who may not have a complete understanding of politics, an easy way to align their votes on election days. Presumably, a person can select the party that most aligns with their values and needs and vote along party lines. On the part of parties themselves, they can structure their platform to appeal to a broad audience, leading naturally to a two-party system in which one party, in the simplest terms, is, one, is for one issue or candidate, and the other is against. In the U.S., where there are no concessions or candidates who, didn't, who don't win a majority of the vote, this means third parties cannot compete with the Republican and Democratic parties that appeal to the broader American population. Instead, those smaller parties can benefit from allying, allying themselves with one of the two major parties. While other countries with a two-party system sometimes see a third-party candidate actually challenge the two main parties, the third-party candidate in the U.S. has barriers that don't exist elsewhere. The Electoral College and a winner-takes-all voting system. Right. So in the U.K. and India, for example, voters are more inter incentivized to vote for candidates outside of the major parties because they actually have a chance at winning in an election. Why the National Anthem plays before every American sporting event. If you go to a professional sports game in the world, in most of the world, the teams will start playing without hearing the country's National Anthem. In the U.S., however, every game from baseball to football to soccer to hockey won't start until the Star Spangled Banner plays. Or, or Canada, if they're playing a Canadian team. The tradition dates back to the 1918 MLB World Series. During the first game's seventh inning stretch, the band played the anthem to a lackluster crowd reeling from the onslaught of World War I. 
The song boosted the crowd's morale and became a mainstay for the rest of the series. It was played regularly at important baseball games. Think opening day, holidays, and during the World Series from then on. After the U.S. joined World War II, playing the national anthem before games became a more popular occurrence, a more regular occurrence, as it boosted support for the war efforts among citizens. So literally everything we do in this country is about fucking war pandering. Well, yeah. <laughs> I kind of assumed it was like started because of like some sort of like after the conflict turmoil. most major sports leagues in the country keep the tradition going and since then teams have been met with backlash when the anthem is not played well because now it's not that people want to hear it it's just that like you've always heard it well it's also so been, don't don't change anything it's not that it's it's really not that they want to hear it or not and it's not that it's always been that way it's more like a lot of other things in this country where it's been propagandized that if you don't play it you're anti-american and you're right yeah and you must be a fascist yeah or a communist even though like playing it before a baseball game is not it's irrelevant it's... yeah well it's the same argument we talked about with all the colin kaepernick shit and like him kneeling during the anthem and all these assholes getting butthurt at their house. And it's like, are you standing up at home? Right. Because I guarantee you, you're just sitting on your couch. Are you standing up and removing your hat? Yeah. So you can be pissed all you want that he's doing it during the game. But I know you're sitting on your ass at home, not standing up for the anthem when they play it on your TV. Right. So, so it's not... You don't... It's not that you feel yeah. like some sort of way about the anthem. But, you, just, were, but you were told that's wrong. Right. He's in the wrong. Even though asked, lots of people were like, he's not. He asked veterans <laughs> if it would be dis- if they felt it would be disrespectful to them, and mm-hmm. they said no. Yeah. That if you didn't want to stand for it, kneeling was the best thing you could do. Why American breakfasts look like that? Traditional breakfasts around the world vary widely, depending on the region and culture that you created like the them. English breakfast. The same can be said of certain traditional American breakfast foods. However, some of the most popular staples in the U.S. have international origins. Due to decades of people from different cultures converging on the U.S., the result is an American breakfast category that almost that's almost as diverse as the country itself. French toast, a common staple on American brunch tables, has roots in Europe, of course. Jewish immigrants from Poland brought bagels to the late 19th century, and Dutch colonists introduced the New World to donuts. Yeah, the nuts. introduction of foods from different cultures combined with American staples like cereal, toast, and orange juice to create a wholly unique American breakfast menu. Weird. Cereal. Oh, you mean like the one that makes you stop masturbating or whatever? Because of course that's an American. Of course that's no. Checks. No. It's Corn like flakes. special K. Cornflakes. Corn flakes. There it is. I'm like, it's a weird one. It's not like a good one. Of course it's not. It's bland. Um, why Americans charge sales tax? In most of the world, a value-added tax is tacked on the total price paid for goods at every stage of the production process and paid to the government, rather than a sales tax charged to the consumer at the purchasing stage. The U.S. sales tax system is unique in this way. While both the VAT system, favored by most of the world, and the American sales tax system, raise roughly the same amount of money for the government, what's different is who pays those taxes and when. The VAT is regarded as an easier system to track and conserve as an alternative to other taxes in the country. However, as with many other aspects ingrained in the American economy and government process, 
Like the metric system and the electoral college, switching from the current system to VAT would cost more than it's worth for the U.S. Why toilet stalls in the U.S. have gaps? What do you mean? I think at the bottom. Oh, oh. Like why the door doesn't go up. Using there. a public restroom is no one's ideal situation, and a big reason for that comes down to the lack of privacy. Um, in the U.S., public privy stalls are notorious for said lack of privacy. The doors and walls don't reach the floor or ceiling, and there's usually a gap between the door and the and the partition wide enough to see through, so that's what it is. Using the restroom in said condition understandably makes for a less than pleasant experience. First introduced by architect Frank Lloyd Wright in Buffalo's Larkin Building in 1904, the design was heralded for its practicality. The accessibility made the stalls easier to clean. Soon, these types of stalls were used across the U.S. Beyond cleaning, the fact that the stalls don't go floor to ceiling means the construction is cheap and universal because no custom measurement is necessary. Once more, the lack of privacy restroom goers despise also makes it impossible to use the spaces for illicit activities. Oh. Why it's common to tip in the U.S. I think we all know this. Uh, Mid-19th century, wealthy Americans vacationing in Europe discovered the idea of tipping and brought it back home with them, where it soon became a common practice to tip service workers. In Europe, on the other hand, the practice with roots in medieval master-surf relations faded into obscurity with most servers in the, in, in the area today not expecting tips. This is because the practice started to be viewed as condescending and unfair to lower-class citizens who could not afford a tip in addition to their meal cost. Those feelings existed in the U.S. too, but tipping culture persisted a large part due to the abolition of slavery. Oh. In an attempt to essentially get free labor after slaves, enslaved people were freed, railroad and restaurant employers would hire formerly enslaved people and pay them a $0 wage with the expectation that customers would pay them in tips instead. And it's still that way. So essentially, get paid like two dollars and forty. So essentially, in the U.S., we still treat service workers as if they are freed slaves. Right. We pay you dirt cheap, as yeah. little as we can, as little as we can legally pay you, with the expectation that you will be paid in tips. And then you, the restaurant goer, like obviously the correct thing to do is to leave an appropriate tip, but like. It, it then also, like, what if you go out to dinner and you can't afford, this like, you saved up of, for a $100 dinner, but yeah. you don't have another $20 to leave a, tw a 20 This practice tip. of subsidizing workers' pay with tips spread throughout the country. When the first federal minimum wage law was passed in 1938, it further cemented tipping as an integral part of the American wage system by mandating employers only pay tipped workers a wage that would add up to the minimum wage after adding in tips. But you can't guarantee a tip. You can't. You're right. Because you could get a table that yeah. felt like you what gave terrible service. What needs to be service. done in America is you get paid what you should be paid. And you pay. we pay more you for You should our be food. paid a living wage. And we don't have to tip you. Because right. you're not reliant on it. You should just get paid like everyone else in the world gets paid. Just increase the cost of meals yeah. so that it balances out. Like up my food by 20% so that my 20% tip is just yep. in my food order now. Exactly. 
why the U.S. uses the Electoral College. Every four years, American citizens huddle around their TVs, tracking the results of the presidential election live. Well, I have never watched live presidential I coverage. watched it. We watched Trump's. I watched Trump and Clinton, and then I watched, like, bits and pieces of Trump-Biden. Trump and Obama. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hillary. Yeah, the first one. I was like, yeah. you mean you watched... Oh, I thought you meant, like, you watched... Obama, and then you watch no, Trump's. Trump you and Hillary watch, Clinton. Yes. Trump and Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, while a lot of attention is paid to the popular vote, what really matters is how many votes each candidate gets in the Electoral College. Rather than have the highest seat of government elected by the majority of citizens, each state is afforded the number of votes based on population that electors from each state then cast for the president. This process is unique in that it's sometimes, more than likely, Means the presidential candidate with the most votes is not the one who ends up winning the election. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I think there's been more than ten times in American history where the president who won the popular vote did not become president. And sometimes it's by a lot. And that's why the American justice the American voting system doesn't matter and it doesn't work. Donald Trump didn't win either election. Yet he was president once. Twice according to him. Twice, according to a lot of people in this country, and it's ter- that's terrifying to me. There was a TikTok the other day about, like, C- CBS did a poll, like, what matters to you in a candidate? And oh, they, God. It was conservatives. And, like, fighting the woke agenda. Like, there was a lot of dumb shit. And then he's like, meanwhile, you know what they're doing? This. And it was like, here's a, here's a bill they just proposed. That cuts Medicare and Medicaid, and it cuts all this shit, and it proposes tax cuts for billionaires, but meanwhile, they've distracted you enough that you're telling people you're so concerned about them fighting the woke agenda. Yeah. And it's like, you don't even really understand what you're saying. No. Um... When creating the framework for the American election process, the Founding Fathers had several hurdles to face. The biggest was how to ensure the results of each election both represented the will of the people and was fair and balanced based on the overall population. When the country was founded, the main issue was how the best account for the enslaved population in the South. If the enslaved were counted as citizens, either in a popular vote or when deciding electors, votes would weigh heavily in the South's favor. This is where the three-fifths compromise came into play. Enslaved people counted as three-fifths of a person when counting the population, thus helping in the eyes of the Founding Fathers maintain balance when determining how many votes each state was allowed. Yikes. The Electoral College also serves as a stopgap for elections. In most cases, electorates vote for the candidate who wins the popular vote in their region. However, that is not a requirement of the position. The idea was always that electorates would vote in the best interests of the region they represent, which means they could vote against the popular vote if they believed it was best for their constituents. Fuck off. It should either be... Yeah, we saw... It should either be you vote the way the popular vote went, or what makes a lot more sense is you just get rid of the electoral college. Right, you just don't vote. It must be raining. <laughs> yeah, you do popular vote Right, only. like the Electoral College doesn't like, vote. This makes no sense. It's not a perfect system. No shit. And attempts to modify the Electoral College have been suggested as early as the 19th century by Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. 
However, successfully changing the system would require a long legal process unlikely to ever be successful. Yeah. Because we are the laziest fucking country on the planet. Well, and I'm sure there's so many It's the same thing with... Um, because, like, to make changes to... With the sales tax thing. Yeah, right. It would cost them more. Oh, how sad. Yeah. Same thing with universal health care. We waited too long to do shit the other developed nations in this world were doing. And now we're too far gone that yeah. we're just like, oh, well, that's going to take too long. We're not doing that. Right. It's just not possible. Why Americans don't use the metric system? Um, Thomas Jefferson, with the, support, with the support of George Washington, worked on standardizing the American measurement system, by Cong- but Congress repeatedly dragged its heels in the matter until it was too late and too expensive to make the change. Of course. 1832, the U.S. adopted these so-called imperial measurements using Great Britain, the yard, gallon, and bushel. In a a move towards standardization. But at that point, the American protocol had become so ingrained in the country's economic systems that joining the rest of the world in metrication, metrication, the process by which nations adopted the metric system, became impossible. (laughs) Despite repeated attempts to standardize in the U.S., including a measure passed by Congress in 1975, the metric system never took hold. But does it really matter? Like, I get it. Like, everybody else uses meters and we use, like, inches and feet. But It like, does in the sense of we are the only country that doesn't use the metric like, system. But, like, when does it... In terms of, like, people's everyday life, when does that matter? Well, it doesn't to us as Americans because we're just doing shit in America. But, like, if you're doing... If you're, evol- if you're involved in literally anything else that involves any sort of measurement from overseas, it's the same reason of, like, but, we do... We bake with cups. Everywhere else is like, put it on a fucking scale and weigh that shit. What do you mean two cups of flour? Right, right. Put it in a fucking bowl and on a food scale. Like, what are you doing? But I just, like, so then when, like, it really matters for, like, people who do international business. Yeah. But, like, don't you think then you just, you just know? Yeah, you probably do both. You just learned that, I mean, not like the metric system is difficult. But it's more the question of, like, again... We are the only country that doesn't do this. And why don't we do it? Because we waited too long. Right. And then people were like, I'm not learning anything new. Well, it's it's not it's not even so much like... Get out of here with your new math. I don't want to learn something new. It's sort of like, we can't even begin to, to yeah. do this. It's too... We're too far gone. It, inches and feet are everywhere. There's nothing we can do. Why Americans can't be tried for international crimes. What? If someone commits an international war crime, the International Criminal Court is the judicial body responsible for trying them. That is, unless the suspected criminal is an American or American allied citizen. The ICC was established in 1998 with 123 nations ratifying the Rome Statute, which established the ICC. The U.S. is the notable exception to the ratification, meaning the government does not recognize the ICC's authority. After 9-11, President George W. Bush took the opposition a step further, passing the American Service Members Protection Act, which granted Americans further protection against the ICC and gave the president authority to invade The Hague, the ICC's location, if a U.S. citizen is detained. So basically, we we can commit international war crimes and nothing will happen to us because we said... Fuck off. We can do whatever we want. But now... America, fuck yeah. And of course, who made it worse? George W. Bush. Who probably suggested that shit? Dick Cheney. 
I was going to say, I mean, George W. Bush, yes, but we know who did it. Yeah, the real president we know, during that time. We knew, we know the neck that turned the head to do that. Yeah, Nancy Reagan. I mean, Dick Cheney. <laughs> and then, number one, why Americans put the flag on everything. If you look hard enough, you can find an American flag almost anywhere in the U.S. They're on government buildings like the post office, of course, but they also fly above fast food restaurants, are plastered on cars, and wave in front of people's homes. This kind of behavior isn't common anywhere else in the world. Correct. So where does this flag obsession come from? It all boils down to the flag's deep ties to America's national identity. Ties so deep that people perceived to be, or even purposefully, disrespecting the national anthem or the flag are met with harsh criticism. Everything we do in this country like how the I flag commented, is Like how I commented on a post the day on Facebook where some lady commented like, Everyone in here is so up in arms about a gay pride flag. Like, get over yourself. And I was like, yeah, but they all cream their jeans next month when it's just the American flag also, quote-unquote, being shoved down our throats for the entire month. And a guy reply commented me and told me to fucking go live somewhere else. Well, Well, no, his exact words were to go live in China or Russia or Korea. I'm like, oh, so you're just listing all the countries that don't allow you to have any freedoms? Why don't you list the other countries that are also modernized like America is, but they're not, like, jerking off to the American flag every night? But if you have an American flag on your shirt, technically that's, yeah, like, you're desecrating it. The sh- your shirt, pants, your underwear, your socks, shoes, pants, and hats. You, the variation jewelry, where, like, they make it black and white and all that stuff. You The can't, black and white with the thin blue line and the thin red line and the green line. You're all... Right. You got like, the idiot. You got the idiot who lives down the street from us, who's got a half American, half Confederate flag. Which don't even get me fucking started on that shit. You goddamn moron. But and like, it, I don't care if you want to. These two things oppose each other. If you don't, if you want to wear it on your pants <laughs> and your shirt and your head, well, I don't care. But like, don't you can't then, like, say it's disrespectful because I don't have one. It's like, we well, are, I just, I just don't think it needs to be plastered everywhere. We are a nation. That, to a lesser extent, we have done what Russia does, what Hitler did. We have propagandized citizens for their entire lives. It's why you do the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Why you do the National Anthem. It's why the flag is everywhere. You are taught the minute you are born in America that America is the greatest country on earth. We can do no wrong. And anyone who questions that is a communist. And you should... And you have to honor the flag. And you it's have to all honor about, the, like, flag. the flag, the flag, the flag. Unless it's someone you don't like, you have to respect the presidency. And then when it's someone you do like, you have to tell those people that they have to respect the presidency. Well, we've been propagandized our entire lives. And we are getting to a point now where people are starting to say, like, they're realizing that. Yeah. And they're not buying it anymore. But then you have the... People who well, are and it's like, just because I don't have the flag on my house doesn't mean I'm not We're American. also the dumb country that... You have a third generation American flying an Irish flag outside of his house. And it's like, have you ever been to Ireland? No. Well, you're not Irish. Your great, great, great grandmother was born in Ireland and then came to America. Well, you yeah. have never been to Ireland. Your parents weren't born in Ireland. Your grandparents weren't born in Ireland. You have Irish heritage. Yeah, you're and it's fine if Irish. you want to, like... But no, I mean, like, we're the only country yes. that... We, we're born in America and we are Americans, but, like, I'm German. Yes. No, you're not. Right, right. We, like, really harp on, like, where we're from. It's the same thing, like, I've heard the argument made, I don't really care either way, but I've heard the argument made against the term African-Americans, and, like, well, you're not 
you weren't born in Africa. You're an American citizen. So you're not an African-American. Right. I've heard that argument made. But it's the same thing. Like, I've heard that before, too, with we're the only, like, people obsessed about being Italian. Uh, right. It's Italian, Irish, German. Like, those are your... And, like... That's where you who... identify as. It's like, but you're not. Right. You're a fourth-generation American. Like, you're right. an American citizen. You're an American. But it's a weird thing for us because most... All of us. Like... We weren't born here. Like it's also we strange. Far, to be, far, far back. Like some, they came from somewhere. It's also the hilarity of the fact that we're Americans, and the entire continent we're on is North America. There are two other countries on this continent. Yes. <laughs> right. There's also South America and Central America. But like, well, that's not a continent. It's not a country. But the continents are North oh, America oh, oh, and South, South America. America. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we as one singular country yes. are Americans. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I do think, though, that I think Canadians do fly their flag. It's just not as, Other like, countries fly their flag, but it's, like, on government buildings and shit that matters. But I think... You don't have a giant Canadian flag on a flagpole in the middle of your yard. Like... But pe- I think people do have... Well, but I guess also their flag, like, because it's the maple leaf. Like, yeah. the maple leaves are on a lot, so it's also sort of well, like... Well, Canada, I think, is also pretty similar to America, and not the sense that Canada has propagandized their citizens, but I think they have a lot of citizens that are very... America has a lot of, like, normal people, and then a lot of super conservative, like... America, fuck yeah, people. We can do no wrong. I think Canada's the same. Like, you have normal people who, like, Canada's great, but also I right. don't really give a shit. And right, like, I'm, are I'm like, Canadian. How dare you? I've noticed that a lot in recent, because there was that whole trucking strike thing with COVID. Like, there's been a lot of shit that, like, I think the way people act in respect to the government is very similar in Canada to the way it is here. Yeah, maybe. Um, but it might also be like they just have it. It's so not like the, there's no allegiance to the flag. It's just they just have it. The U.S. was founded with an with a unifying figurehead, like a monarch. So there wasn't a person for people to rally around. Instead, they rallied around the ideals perpetuated in the founding of the country, such as unity, democracy, and freedom, regardless of the country's own dark history. Those ideals then became wrapped in the flag, elevating its importance as a national symbol. Yeah. So it is just a symbol to, we have done a lot of horrible shit, and we are not anywhere near the greatest country in the world. In the name of... We tied it up in a little bow that Mm -hmm. is the American flag, so now you have to pretend that we are. But look how pretty it is. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) I just don't... That Confederate flag shit bothers me so much. It's like, how dumb are you? Well, it's just like you're aware those were the op those were the opposing sides. The American flag was against the Confederate flag. The Confederate flag wanted to do away with the American flag. Right. You seceded from the from the Union. Right. So you can't make a 50-50 flag cuz you were fucking born in the South now you live in the North. That's not how this works. Either you supported the Confederacy or you supported the Union. Yeah. Most people who have the that type of things don't have it right. But it's the again, don't tread on me is used wrong too. But it's well, but yeah. But it's again, the American flag is used as just an American pride symbol now. The Confederate flag is just used as Southern pride. That's not what that flag was, people. Right. 
Also, what we southern, started, we southern started removing here it in Pennsylvania. We started removing it from places, and people got upset about it. It's like, yeah, because you don't know what that flag actually means. Because I don't think we need it. That's my history. Mm, well, is they, it though? They lost. So yeah. Also, you lost. Do you do you fly the flags for things that lost? No. When your team loses the Super Bowl, do they print both shirts and sell them? No. no. They send the other ones to... They print both of them, but they send the other ones to Africa. Yes. <laughs> but, like, you can't go... Like, they don't make a shirt for them, too. Like, they lost. Yeah. It's time for it to move along. Well, they do make them. They just don't sell them. But, I mean... They're made. They just don't yes, get sold. Yes, but, like, they're... Yeah. No one wants it. No. Because it lost. Yeah. They get shipped overseas to third world countries where kids are like, cool, thanks for the shirt. Yeah, because they don't. <laughs> I mean, they might know it. A lot of countries also speak English. There are like... three generations that are wearing Eagle Super Bowl shirts because they lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phillies, too. Oh, God. The Phillies, the Sixers. Flyers. They got them all. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for joining us during our nice little fourth of july special hope it's everything you expected it to be uh we'll be back next week with a regular length episode this was like i said just a short one because we were going on vacation uh follow us on socials at the friends you keep email us at the friends you can keep at gmail.com uh rate and subscribe tell your friends to do the same and we love you thank you for being a friend